Welcome back. Thank you for hanging out with us once again. This is the IT in the D show. I'm your host, Bob Waltonspiel, hanging out with co-host producer extraordinaire Randy Walker. Guest this week, JD, Jason David. He has two first names, but we like him anyway. He is the founder of the Workforce Performance Network. He is uh, actually one of the early adopters of CrossFit in Detroit, and he's an old IT recruiter and a dear old friend of mine from way back. So we're going to get into some old stories. We're going to be talking about the startup, how basically he founded another startup and get going through the funding process and taking a, an idea to market. So it should be a great story. You can find us online at itindd.com. Do us a favor. Give us a like on the socials. Subscribe to us everywhere. Fine podcasts are sold. We had our first event at uh, Nancy Whiskey last Thursday, and uh, we got rained out, but we stayed inside. And actually, I uh, had a decent group for the wicked storm that came through Detroit. But we're going to be back at Nancy Whiskey's a couple more times uh, the next two months. Find us at meetup.com. That's M E E T, not M E A T, Randy. The, um, <laughs> the next date on that is slash August IT in the 17th. August 17th. That's my uh, August 17th. That would have been my parents' anniversary. I'll do a toast to them. Um, but hey, JD, Jason, how you doing, buddy? Good to see you. Um, good. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. You've given me a couple favors over the past few years, so uh, I owe you, I think, three. So no, it's uh, it's great to see you. Great to talk, and um, looking forward to chatting. So as the story goes, if anyone knows my origin, my or my origin story was I was. Uh, I sold clothes in high school and I sold beer through at college and I realized selling beer wasn't my end game. So I went in the, I, I got into IT being the, the nerd that I was, on, uh, you know, and I had two opportunities, one to work in an empty data center to fill it up and another one to get into the IT recruiting scene to work with you. And uh, for whatever reason, I chose the data center side and kind of the rest is history. But uh, I always, uh, I remember uh, my, my, my roots, my first gigs, the jobs I passed up. Um, but no, I, uh, so I, I, we go back, shoot almost 30 years, JD. Am I correct? I think close to it. Yeah. Yeah. Plus, uh, you and Mike and, um, Tulio that we knew through, uh, um, Mike's job as a magician. Uh, so kind of outside of our, uh, professional world, but, uh, yeah, it's been quite a while. And actually so. your wife was my first girlfriend's bestie when I was 15. So that's how far back I go on that side. Oh wow! Yeah, trust me. I know this is it's crazy when you think about how it yeah. used to be a DJ at the at the post where I met my wife. Yeah, so. <laughs> see, this, that's why you always be nice to people. You never know how they come back. Um, but one of the things I got to give you props for is is you know get into you got into you were in sales like I was, and uh, what it, well, how you know what did we do? We went and got a big breakfast with a client, then we get a big lunch with a client, and then we'd have beers with clients, and we'd net, go to networking events with beers, and uh, we got big. And uh, you did something about it, and I didn't. Um, you were one of the first. I don't want to call you a pioneer, but you were like the first guy in town that like did the whole CrossFit thing. And I know it's a cliche now, and it's like you know, uh, how do you know a CrossFitter walked in the room? You know, because he told you. Um, yeah, I was that guy, hundred <laughs> percent. Well, how did you? Uh, I guess when did the switch click? Because a lot of us are, you know. A lot of us coders, a lot of us pizza eaters, a lot of us sales guys that are, you know, they're, you know, looking at our older ages now. Switch hasn't clicked. How did it click for you? You know, I think it was uh, a combination of a, a couple things. And you know, looking back, it's it, you can take kind of a high level uh, view and say, you know, what was it that made me stick with that instead of the other, you know, things that didn't work. And I think it was uh, I liked it. Um, it made sense to me. I liked the measurable piece of it. 
Uh, I was, uh, I think I was pretty good at it. We had a real small group when we started at uh, Motor City. Um, and then I eventually um, liked, found myself liking to teach it. So it kind of became something that I didn't do because it was good for my health. I did it because it was fun. And fast forward 15 years, I opened my first gym in 08. And now it's uh, 2023. And we're still going strong. So I think I was dedicated right in the beginning. But after that, it was just fun for me. And the people kept me there. And I'm still friends with people that I met in 2008 to this day. So it's just one of those things that I got lucky, I think. I think you got me for a week. I think I st- I think I lasted a week before I stopped going. And uh, I, say, I still have your book. I still have your book. Do you really? Your log book. Oh my yeah. god. There's no yeah, one page has got something on it. See, here's the thing. I didn't hate it, but god bless it is it intimidating. When you see the guys yeah. doing the dolphin pull-ups and you're sitting there going, I could do two push-ups, you know. And and it's not even about like, hey, I'm just trying to get in and they weren't even no one was mean to me or anything. It's just Oh, you know, and it, I, I kind of liked it. I'm not gonna lie, but yeah, it was uh, that was definitely not my thing. It's not. I mean, it's definitely not for everybody, and I don't begrudge anybody that doesn't like it. I mean, some people just don't like the rah rah stuff. They don't like the intensity. You just got to kind of find, um, you know, what works best for you. Just keep looking, and and eventually you'll come across something. Whether it's just walking your dog every day, or um, you know, CrossFit or rock climbing, whatever it is, just that, keep looking. And that's why I got an exercise bike behind my desk that I don't use. You know, that's, it's the tale of two. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm well, sure. you put, hang your stuff on it. Exactly. And then I'm like, I'm going to start rowing. So I bought a row machine that sits next to the bike that I don't use neck that I don't use. So yeah. And it goes on and on. So you recently uh, got into the startup game. That's kind of what I wanted to focus on. And what I guess, most of the time they say, you know, solve a problem. Like if you talk to any of the, the big business people are like, you know, when should I start? Like, oh, what problem are you solving? So right. you started, uh, it's called workforce, workforce performance network. Say that three times. Um, mm-hmm. but basically what you're, from what I gathered, it's, it's, you know, I guess, tell me what it is. And then I want to start to figure out, let's figure out why, you know, what was that, uh, again, what was that, you know, light that went off that, to start this up. So, <laughs> It, it's a long, I'm going to try to condense three years in just a couple sentences, but um, I started doing jujitsu in about 2017. And I started noticing like similar things between people that do CrossFit jujitsu and, and that sort of um, kind of got my something in my head. And I never could r- figure out like these, the owners of these CrossFit gyms, jujitsu places, they're some of the most amazing people. And all they're doing is their their advertising is on Instagram and Facebook and Google reviews. And that's been in my head for years. And I can never kind of, um, I guess, wrap my head around what that even meant in my head. Um, and then you have the, the pandemic that popped in 2020. And that was also coincided with uh, three huge business problems that I ran into. So did they time out real quick? Did they shut you? No, I don't know what happened to obviously cause I wasn't going and plus I was dealing with a knee injury. So I was bedridden anyway, or couch ridden. What, um, right. what did they do to you? Um, during, during COVID just just out of curiosity. Yeah, they, I mean, they shut us down, I think March 16th and said, you got to close your doors. Um, we followed all the rules, uh, set down by the state, whether it was, you know, wear a mask or, 
um, you know, workout outside, no classes, that sort of thing. So um, they said close down and we closed down. Wow. So it was like I had three really rough things happen in a short period of time. Um, business things that, you know, I don't want to get into all the details on that, but it was like the pandemic uh, was just like, a, you know, a last straw. And it was so catastrophic that I thought to myself, I need to figure out something. And all I did was start reading. And the stuff I started reading was based on the underlying thing that was, why do these gyms, these amazing facilities, some of them world-class, I'm talking like, you know, there's some martial arts and, um, you know, training facilities that have world-class owners. And then I also was reading stuff based on what the hell am I going to do? Like, these are some huge problems that are coming with the pandemic, that sort of thing. So for about two and a half years, um, I was reading whatever the smart people told me to read. And I didn't know why. So if anybody's listening to this that's thinking about creating a startup, definitely don't take this path. Uh, it's a bad idea because um, I'm not technical. But I would just read and not know why, but keep going. Like, why is it telling me to read Mark Andreessen's book, Hard Thing About Hard Things? Why is it telling me to read Zero to One? Why is it telling me to read Poor Charlie's Almanac? Like, all this stuff. But I just kept going. And two and a half years later, uh, I just read this book and I'm like, what? Why do I keep reading venture capital books? Like it was not my world. It did. It wasn't anything that resonated with anything I ever did with a brick and mortar business. And when I read what a venture capital looks for when they're making an investment and it said minimum viable product, I was like, holy shit, that, that's my idea. I I had no idea that, you know, all these books I was reading and all that stuff was just basically stories of, of startups. So it took me about two and a half years to realize that my idea was a startup. But because I read all those books, I had a playbook for start to finish of doing a startup. So my path to that took a very long time. But once I got there, I was I was off to the races. Nice. So, I mean, you got to your MVP, kind of getting the world out there. Talk mm -hmm. to me now through, I guess, the pitch deck to getting it funded. Because to me, that's the most intriguing part because, you know, we've had Monica Weed on who kind of owns the whole Detroit venture market. Uh, mm -hmm. But, like, it's it's a... It's a swing and a miss game. That's like trying to hit a 99 mile an hour curveball, right? You're, you know, um, well, I, I, so the, my, you know, the first thing I knew was that fundraising for a startup is soul sucking and horrifyingly, um, ego deflating. So I already knew that. And since I knew that I'm like, okay, I guess if this doesn't work well, that's kind of part of the process. So I thought to myself, I'm going to start with, my rich friends. And at the time I didn't know it was a startup and I approached them and they both, you know, a few of them, they, they thought it was a good idea, but something didn't make sense to me. It's like, why am I putting all my dreams of this now thing that I'm, they I have into the hands of a couple people that didn't make sense. And then I realized 
what I needed to do. And that was to do that exact thing that you're saying and start the fundraising in that startup model. So I created uh, an AngelList corporation. Uh, I didn't know what AngelList was for two years. I heard it over and over again on the stuff I was listening to. But once I created the company in the Delaware C form, I had AngelList. So then I had a path and I had a, a visual representation of everything. The fundraising that I started with my clients, the goal was a million dollars, right? And I failed miserably. To raise or to or for series yeah. one? Okay. So my my seat, pre-seed or friends and family round, they call it, is was uh, raised for a million dollars with a 20% discount on a $5 million cap. It was just kind of a basic cookie cutter um, initial raise. You're pretty much the guys that get laughed at at Shark Tank, right? Like, <laughs> Oh my God, yeah, 100%. And Real I could fed. see it in people's eyes. Yeah, I could see it in their eyes. They're like, this guy is nuts. <laughs> um, oh, oh, you know, and, but I knew that's kind of how it went. But I told them, I said, I, it doesn't matter. You guys have to understand, I'm going to get to the minimum viable product. I'm going to get to the Series A funding. I don't care uh, how long it takes or how I get there. So, Lo and behold, and this is one of those startup serendipity stories, uh, in January of 2023, a guy walks in to try CrossFit and uh, I I'm, you know, just did a, I pitched 60 members on, on my startup idea and I had to do it in a way that didn't alienate them. I didn't want them to feel like I was begging them for money. They're all my clients. You know, they spend 150 to 200 bucks a month to work out here. Um, but t- this guy comes in and he's like, I always make small talk and he said, uh, uh, I go, what do you do? And he's like, I'm a, I'm in it. I'm like, Oh, okay. And he said, uh, I, I said, well, what do you do? I used to be an it recruiter. And he goes, uh, I'm in startups. And I'm like, okay. And then I go, what do you do? Cause now my interest is peaked because I've just spent the last three years learning everything I could about doing this. And he goes, well, I, I design and develop minimum viable products for startups so that they can get their funding. I'm like, Oh my God, I got to shut my mouth here and kind of, <laughs> you know, temper my excitement. So um, fast forward a couple months, I get to know the guy. He joins the gym. He gets my message. Uh, he'd actually previously developed a minimum viable product that got a series A funding of, I think $35 million. And, you know, because I knew things weren't would not go as planned ever when you do something like this, looking back, had my high net worth friends or I was able to raise that million dollars, I don't think it would have led me to finding this co-founder that was like a lottery ticket. And he's been amazing. I mean, he, he's got the, um, the basic minimum viable product put together and I originally told them like, Hey, this is a long process. Your investment is not going to um, really see any fruit. We're not even going to have the minimum viable product for two years. So we're a year and a half ahead of schedule. So the playbook that I had knowing everything wouldn't go as planned has gone better than I could have imagined uh, because of just startup luck and I, I can't explain it other than uh, I, it's how these things happen, these stories. So, I, think I mean, the initial fundraise was, was crazy, yeah. If you look at just sales in general, if you get 60 no's and you're still plugging around, 
like you know you got something or at least at least you, in your heart you know you got something because that's a, that's a lot of no's to deal with oh it was a it was a lot of no's and i and i got the vibe of like oh bless your heart jd you know go <laughs> i mean even even my wife she's like and my daughter they think i'm the the guy from serendipity like greg kinnear like the 12-step program thing but um it, it was just one of those parts of the process that I knew was coming, even though I had no experience in startup because I read all the stuff first. So it it's um, kind of unbelievable the way things worked out, uh, finding Tom to be able to kind of help me along with this. And I also knew that there's no angel investor that is going to look at me, who is a non-technical sole founder, until I have certain metrics. And until I found Tom, I was trying to teach myself how to use Figma to develop my minimum viable product, how to use um, Y Combinator to use your co-founder matching. So I was planning for the inevitable failure at raising a million dollars and then got lucky with, with Tom. So it's just crazy how things happen. And then you know, now we have the whole another process of uh, of execution, which uh, when you have the end in mind, as I do, uh, the execution is a, kind of a foregone com- conclusion um, and product market fit for me is not even uh, a question. So it's it's been a long road to get to a startup to where we are, but we're, we're pretty excited moving forward. No, absolutely. So let's go. Let's go all the way back and like go through i was at like asking about the why like what did mm-hmm. you know owning a crossfit gym you've seen some things what did what did what did the market what was the market missing that you that you needed to fix it is the the, the owners of these facilities should not in my opinion be begging people to join their gym using instagram and facebook uh i believe that the brand uh, of the workforce performance network should be centered around these people. It shouldn't matter what umbrella or flag that they fly. Uh, it shouldn't matter, um, you know, what discipline they use, whether it's CrossFit, kettlebells, Olympic weightlifting, gymnastics, jujitsu, whatever it is. The brand is the owner of these facilities. They should have a commercial in the Super Bowl. They should be on the side of a Formula One car. They should be the the standard for when people decide that they um, need to need to do something and they can, it's community based. Uh, so it's, uh, you know, it's a mental health piece as well. These facilities are the ones that provide long-term benefit and this brand will be centered around them. And the initial phase of this will be directly working with using the lean startup model. Cause for some reason I read that book also, um, We'll be getting the direct feedback as we run our first ad campaign locally. So I'm, I want to give. If, oh, if you, I was going to say, if you look at these things as like the corners of corners of neighborhoods, you look at the. I always talk about the diner. I always talk about the dive bar. Um, I just went to my first art studio. Um, my daughter drug me to on last Friday. The, uh, oh. the small garage gyms like that is that's Main Street. Right. And, and too many times, like I know, like for my work, like everyone gets a planet fitness or we want a planet fitness. So, you know, do you ever go to one of those places? You know, it's the it's the Walmart of, you know, not yeah. no offense to either one of those two, but I'm just saying it's just um, 
I know the difference. You know what I mean? It's, it's a, you know, you don't develop any friendships at Planet Fitness, you know, CrossFit I, right. I know people that for life. Um, so what do you, so are you trying to like take, you know, let's, let's, let's use diners or whatever you're, you're in the the fitness space or mm-hmm. are, are you trying to be almost like, I don't want to say Grubhub for the diner where, you know, or for the, for the gym, um, where you're like, Hey, this, this diner that didn't have any budget before. Cause he's just on Instagram. Hey, now we're putting them on a, on a national platform where people that are right. hungry can find food. I never knew about this place and voila. I mean, I guess talk to me, talk to me through what that vision is. So if this example would be, and I just like you said, I don't want to belittle anything that anybody does to get healthy. If, if you find passion and, and planet fitness and you, you know, become healthier and happier because whatever you do is fine with me. I have nothing against that, but with our vision with phase one is certifying these gyms, right. And then putting together the ad campaign phase two is creating the wellness program with small businesses that are in the same community as these gyms. So if I'm an owner of one of these facilities, no local small businesses are going to send me their employees, recommend them coming to my place unless I have my liability insurance, my certificate of occupancy, all those things, and a certain amount of experience that they can feel comfortable sending their employees. So it's basically going to be a vetting process to say, are you doing the things that you're supposed to be doing? Meaning you're a legal business, you have the uh, proper credentials and insurance. Do you have the required amount of experience, which in my brain, I have a thousand hours in my head. I don't know if that's, uh, I'm not going to have that be set in stone. And are you providing the type of thing that is open to the larger community for these small businesses? And my, my criteria would, would be, would I recommend my wife, daughter, aunt, grandma, mother go to these places? Our, our certification will, in my vision, um, provide that peace of mind so that people can feel comfortable walking in these, in these facilities even though there's not a brand associated with it. That's why it's not going to be um, Orange Theory or F45 or anything like that because the the owner itself is the brand. And they already have their own engine. Right. Yeah. I mean, I mean, and, and it shouldn't be tied to – and I, I love CrossFit and I'm still a CrossFit affiliate, but if somebody is all of a sudden not a CrossFit affiliate, they should not lose uh, the value in their advertising. So our – our program, our, our network will go with the owner of the facility, not the name on their door. What do you have to do to be a CrossFit affiliate? Uh, it's a, you have to get certified. Um, you have to pay um, $3,000 a year to use the name. And you have really? to list. Who owns it? Yeah. CrossFit, CrossFit headquarters owns it. Oh, just, so, <laughs> just some. Yeah, but, you know, I, just for CrossFit's sake, their education system is is second to none. I mean, they require in-person certification. They have, um, you know, a continued process where you can learn more, different levels. So, um, but they don't come to your place and say, hey, these, right. they, they got a clean clean bathroom, you know? Right, so, right. Well, who would have thought that they would have had world championships that kind of went great? Like, we all thought yeah. of just flipping tires and doing dolphin pull-ups, and then all of a sudden now it's on ESPN and there's there's world records being set. I, I kind of a you know, watching from afar, right. it's been kind of a cool journey. I'm sure you were you know smiling from ear to ear. I like how you call them dolphin pull-ups. That's pretty. Isn't good. that what they're called? Pull-ups. 
Kip, kipping pull-ups? It's dolphin pull-ups. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. That's I never heard the term. That's good. Oh, I, watching the people do it, that's what it looks like. Right, right. I wish I did a good golf dolphin impersonation. It'd be a good time for it right now. So give it a try. What uh what do you expect? Like the you I guess UX is user experience is gonna is the big thing, right? Um mm-hmm. it's it, can it be good? You know, what are you envisioning to be the the UX? You know, here's our recommended gyms. What do you what, what is that experience gonna look like? Uh, my I ideally it will you won't join a gym or you won't even set foot into a facility unless you see that uh, they're in the network. That would be my, um, my vision at the end of the day. And I want, I I believe that with the growth of the network and uh, the types of people that operate these, they, you know, they have pride in what they do. I want them to feel like when they see our commercial, when they see the, uh, workforce performance network on logo on the the golf tournament that they have pride and we're going to work with them um, to make sure that that happens particularly uh, from now as we start testing you know in the metro detroit market with our first five customers so this is all centered around the people so the owners like joe DeGain owns crossfit 810 he's a level four trainer he shouldn't be on instagram posting videos please come to my you know he's second to none in terms of what he's done. Professor Fresh that owns my jujitsu studio, the guy is beyond reproach, right? He is not a social media guy. He should have a line out the door um, for people to come into his facility. And we want the value to be there. And we're going to use the information that we get from our initial customers to give them what they want so that they feel like they're getting value for it. So is this B to B or B to C. Sorry for asking dumb questions. I'm just trying to think this whole thing. No, it's no. the The initial is, um, I guess you would call it B to B because uh, our customer will be the the small business gym owners. Um, the next phase of it is the uh, partnership with small businesses in the gyms. Uh, and the cool part there is a lot of the members of these gyms average one hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year. A lot of them own businesses that see the value in their product. So our initial growth of the second phase is another lean startup within the startup. So the next phase is a kind of, I would almost call it software as a service, but really it's a wellness program for these small businesses to send their their, uh, employees to the gym. And then at the end is the consumer app that will be, uh, you know, machine learning to get feedback to keep the quality of the facilities you know uh, game theory keep people engaged you know all the frilly stuff that um isn't as important but kind of looks good uh to investors as as a as a value proposition just don't do this stuff i think we didn't we talk about it randy last week the guy from v shred that makes it like a 37 minute video and tells you at the end like i'm going to tell you three things right now and then you got to wait 37 minutes to hear the final three things but that guy makes like 10 million dollars a minute it's like yeah. I'm I'm doing the wrong thing here, you know. Who am I talking yeah. talking smack to a guy that? <laughs> yeah, billionaire. I mean, if that's his, he likes helping people, and that's his thing. That's that's good. But I mean, our our, our overarching everything that we're doing is for uh, the owners of these facilities. And the cool part is about why this is such a um, why I think it's an awesome thing is all the goals line up with investors, our initial customers our small business partners, the startup model is just uh, the amazing setup that is the only way we can get our idea out the right way. It just happens to be 
a billion dollar idea. I didn't make it up. It's, it's just what it is. I just need to execute to get to the other end of the, um, you know, of the timeline. That's it. So how, how do you, you know, I always look for stuff like now I'm looking at scale because you're talking about going nationally. You can scale from right here, right? You don't need feet on the street or do you? No. So uh, our, I know personally our initial five customers that I'm going to reach out to. And if they aren't interested in that, you know, uh, initial phase, we, you know, we got more that we can look into, but I'm moving forward as if there is no such thing as a angel investor or venture capital. I'm hoping that somebody goes, what is this here? Uh, I heard about this startup and look at, oh, you know, and then they work backwards from what does a venture capitalist look for when they invest in a startup, right? Since I did it exactly the way they want it from start to finish, once somebody looks at it and they dig a little further, they'll have peace of mind knowing that their you know, investment is going to be safe, relatively safe. I mean, these are all you know, you never know kind of thing. But, you know, somebody like Bill Gurley, I mean, after I'm going to send a recording to this to him. He has no business talking to me. I'm just going to send it to him because why not? He likes networks. He's a venture capitalist. We have a pretty good story. We're going to do all the other things that are required along the way as if we're not going to get any funding. So it'll just be like, do you want to make a bunch of money tell bill i have an amazing idea for a bathroom review app that i've been talking about since this podcast started called crapper yeah. called crapper with two p's i'm telling you uh, i i have a buddy that wants to do the same thing he <laughs> wants to he wants to i don't think he was going to call it that but he had to he wanted to rate the toilets for people so they can find the clean ones that's um, it's, a, it's a thing it's a need see you, you know i got dibs yeah. just tell your buddy i got dibs all right all right <laughs> But so, hey, yeah, the, um, we can find you at the, uh, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, it's just all the, all the stuff. Um, I've, I've turned into a, a, kind of a, like every no that I've gotten, I've turned it into a game, not a game as in, ah, oh, that was funny, but I'm learning from if somebody says no, or if a investor doesn't think it's a good idea or whatever it is. And I'm using that to kind of plant little nuggets along the way to kind of help teach me my found my co-founder tom um you know what we need to do next so like you mentioned monica you know she's she responded to me i'm like oh my god you know uh monica wheat that was because uh, she's crazy. fantastic that's why yeah so it's been fun i i email do you know who jason calicanakis is uh know the name i don't know if i know him personally He's like an angel investor, and I pitched a buddy of mine, and he's like, dude, you, you don't know what you're doing. You should uh, listen to his podcast. So I read his book, listened to his podcast. What I didn't, didn't tell my friend is uh, every couple months, I send uh, Jason Calicanakis uh, an unsolicited email update of our progress just for fun, right? If if it's a billion dollars, he's going to be like, oh, man, that guy. Mm -hmm. Or if it fails, you know, just another startup that failed. So it's... um. All part of the process, if you ask me. Absolutely. So we can find you at the uh, world's longest URL. That's workforceperformancenetwork.com. We'll, we'll yeah, work down that. That's right. No, no, it's all good. Well, uh, and I'm going to put the link to uh, to get a hold of JD in, in uh, show notes. And uh, I can't wish you any more luck than I could possibly wish you. Um, continued success. And like, you know, if you need anything, you, got, you know where to call me. So, okay. Yeah. And if things go well, I'm going to um, invest in your 
crapper rapper. Yeah, there. See, now that all right. Now I really wish for your success. <laughs> yeah, we so, got to do it. Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's make it big. All right, that was uh, Jason JD uh, from the Workforce Performance Network. I'll get used to it. I'll get used to it. It's going to take. Well, well, maybe we'll do a shorter one just uh, to make it easier for people to find uh, to the network and have a link to the bigger one. Do a Bitly. There you go. Is it Bitly still around? God, I'm old. Um, but hey, we're going to wrap things up for this episode of the IT and the D show on behalf of Bob and Randy. Do us all a favor. Drink up your drinks. Get your phone numbers. You don't have to go home. You just got to get the hell out of here. See you next week. Drive careful. Beat it.